folks, welcome to the House of Kraus. I'm Richard Kraus. We have an absolutely gargantuan show for you today. It's so giant, you might want to sit down while you listen. There's a lot going on here. We're going to tell you about two movies. One movie is called Denial. It stars Rachel Weisz, Tom Wilkinson. They're both here to talk about it and more. And the other movie is called Two Lovers and a Bear that stars recent Emmy winner Tatiana Maslany and Dane DeHaan as star-crossed lovers. First up, though, let's talk about Denial. Denial is based on the real-life experiences of Deborah Lipstadt. Deborah Lipstadt is an Emory University professor of Jewish studies. In 1996, she was sued by a self-taught British historian and Holocaust denier named David Irving. Irving was upset that she singled him out in a book calling him a less than reputable historian. He launched a libel lawsuit claiming that Lipstadt and her publisher were part of a worldwide conspiracy to rob him of his livelihood. I sat down with Deborah Lipstadt and Rachel Weiss and essentially just let them talk. They talk about the character, they talk about what it's like to fight huge battles and why people do that. It's an interesting conversation. Let's jump right in. What sort of relationship uh, have you formed since the film? And what sort of relationship did you have uh, in the months or weeks leading up to? Did you spend some time together? What kind of responsibility, Rachel? She calls me a pain in the ass. (laughs) Really? All those people out there love you for it. (laughs) And and why is that? Why did she call you a pain in the ass? You want me to go first on this? (laughs) Well, because... You know, I'm the kind of person, when I see the sign all over New York and many places, if you see something, say something about security, I find that sign absolutely baffling. Because I can't understand how people don't say what they're thinking. You know, I'm, I'm missing a certain, you know, uh, whatever. um, Filter. Filter. (laughs) I just say what I think and... um, I don't know, but I think we connected. We connected in a in a very. Nice I admire way. that about mm-hmm. Deborah. I I admire people who will risk possibly not being liked. I mean, mm-hmm. I think you're universally loved. No, and well, surrounded not by everyone. You. Yeah, you you, 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 you But you, I have a lot of good friends. David Irving may have. Yeah, but <laughs> exactly. But that's exactly what right. I mean. When 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 the the cause is meaningful, mm-hmm. your likability doesn't matter to right, you, which right. is I really really respect that, mm-hmm. and I wish. I were more like that, and I oh. wish uh, more people were like that. You know, that, that you sta- if you stand up for what you believe in, and we live in a culture of likes, right? These things on uh, whatever that is on, on Facebook, fe- whatever. <laughs> I've never been on Facebook, but ever. But mm-hmm. but you know, it's just yeah. So I, that I'm like you have to be willing Deborah. not to be liked. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I want to be liked as much as the best person. Yeah. But that, but, but when uh, it matters, when it matters, and this was something I and this story of this trial in this case. A lot of very good people said to me, don't do it. Mm-hmm. In fact, a colleague wrote me a note. She's now retired, but she was a senior colleague at the time. She said, do you remember I took you to lunch and told you you'd be wasting your time and you don't, won't get your work done and all that? And I said, Francis, I love you too much to remember that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but a lot of good people said to me, don't do it. And a lot of people didn't want me to do it in, uh, because they thought I'd be giving him publicity. Right. And, um, but that is a, that's the razor's edge. Right. Right of of a story like this, and and you know he was 
a marginalized figure by the time he brought the libel suit mm-hmm. against you. So the idea is, are we just making him more famous at this moment, uh, or should we squash him like a bug? Mm-hmm. And it's and it's it's one you know it's a, it's a balance it's I a think balance. you have to it's find. It's a balance. It's a balance that we're facing in the United States now, also with uh, alt right and David Duke and lots of those people. How do you fight? How do you fight bad people without building them up and mm-hmm. without giving them a bazillion dollars free publicity? So, you look like you're about to say something. You know about that? Yeah, I mean, what the publicity only shows what it is that they actually did. So I think the more people who know that, the better. Ultimately. Because most people right. don't know who David Irving is. Right. I mean, yeah. he he has his core group of followers, mm-hmm. and they're going to be very happy about mm-hmm. this public. What what right. they're not, or right. I don't know how they're going to feel about mm-hmm. it. But it's more that that people should know of it. Yeah, I, nobody does. I, I don't, it doesn't really bother me that him getting. It's not. It's not good publicity. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think. I think Rachel's right. I, I think there's some people though who. Um, it's it's a it's a balance. Are you gonna like in this fight? I knew fighting him would give him publicity, but it would serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, and am I just am, is greater it, than greater than the publicity of David Irving, right. far, far beyond that's that. Right. I that's think right. it's just, it's... That, oh, no, that, that's, you know. yeah. Well, you said that in that wonderful message you taped to the UN. We, I just spoke at the UN, and Rachel taped a, a message to the conference that the movie really, I think, in the story has... None of us dreamt when we first signed on, I certainly right. didn't dream, that it would have the resonance it has today, you know, about much bigger than David Irving, mm-hmm. much, much bigger, much bigger than Holocaust denial. But... Um, Truth and lies, because now people just have. I have my own truth. Well, facts and well, opinion. It, well, fact and opinion, and that's it, right? So, um, just because I have an opinion doesn't mean I'm right. Is right. something that should be a a, a mantra for all of us, yeah, but yeah. it's not. Right. It's we not. live in this culture of feelings. Is I feel yeah. something strongly enough, it's true. No, it's not. Yeah. No, right. it's not. That's exactly right. You know. And even opinion, opinion based on complete made-up information. Yeah. Is is giving giving them too much more weight than they deserve? Right. It's my opinion that there were Muslims dancing in Union City on 9/11. Well, that can be your opinion, but that's based on complete. I'll say it, bullshit. You yeah. know, it's yeah. it's wrong. And so, even to call it opinion is to elevate it a little more. What than would you call it? A fantasy. Fantasy lies. Mm-hmm. It's a lie. Yeah. 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 But it's this age of relativism, which I guess has been around for a few decades, right, and it's right. just got stronger and stronger. That you, that people feel that. You know, the objective truth gets lost somewhere because people are so scared. I mean, relativism kind of came out from a good thing. In yes, a way. yes, exactly. Logically, right? It started good, then it exactly. bad. Well, yeah. I, I think also now you have mistrust. It started good, it went bad. <laughs> there you I go. Like that. Like so many things the chase. Like. There you go. <laughs> but, but I think, uh, you know. Right now, we live in an era where people don't trust the media. People uh, don't have the same kind of don't trust experts. Don't trust experts. What did Michael Gove say in England in your in your home Uh country Uh, on the eve of Brexit? They saw the experts. Oh yeah, yeah, the banks, the uh, the banks, and the experts. And he said, "Oh, we've heard enough from the experts." Yeah, right. Well, and he was Minister of Education. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's a sense that facts are elitist somehow. That's right. right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, which I understand where that feelings come from that people are tired being kind of lectured to people who are living in poverty who can't get jobs mm-hmm. and they've and been lectured to yeah. by you know basically in England 
rich white men who went to Eton, you know, essentially, mm-hmm. which is the right. entire Tory cabinet, just mm-hmm. about, you know, and I understand that, but it's a kind of, it's a category error, it's a misplaced thing, it's, it's showing a frustration anyway, so mm-hmm. Have we gone too far? Well, can we, can we write that and go the other way? It's a it's a battle. I think that we all have to fight. That you know, what is it? The, the only thing for evil need to I'm paraphrasing here, but to, evil for evil to triumph is for good people. He said men, but it's good people to stand by and be silent. And I think it's a it's a lonely battle. But you got to call people out. Um, and um, I think that's what this story was all about. And I think that's what Rachel captures so terrifically. And yeah, we'll move it back to the movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how does it make you feel now to watch the film? It's an out-of-body experience. It's an out-of-body. I mean, it was an out-of-body experience. The first day I was on the set, and Rachel was doing the scene. I was watching her monitor, and then they brought her into this room where I was. And there she was in my scarf, not this scarf, another scarf. But, and, and just with the, the, the and it was just, you know, but what's better is um, the number of people who, uh, Alan Dershowitz wrote me a note. He had seen the screening because he knows, he knows Gary. And, wrote me said she captured your her accent but even more she captured your attitude (laughs) so um it's it's very gratifying it's very very gratifying i mean it's it's heady and all that but you know my hope is that it it does some good and it's 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 very overwhelming it's easy to get caught up in the hoopla of the festival and premieres and you know all the kind of stuff that goes with it um but a lot of people suffered a lot of pain because of this man and this kind of effort and um you know, one hopes that it, it does some good. Rachel, this Alan Dershowitz says, captured the spirit, the essence, all that. Um, and that gets back to my original question. Did you spend time yeah. together beforehand yeah. and, and sort of soak that up? And, and if so, what kind of responsibility? I mean, because it's still a drama. You're still, it's not a documentary. It's a, it's a different thing. So what kind of responsibility do you feel and what did you learn? Um, Deborah came and hung out with me in New York, sat in my kitchen for two days straight. That's right, I think. right, exactly. And that was our first meeting. We'd spoken on, we spoke on the phone first for a few hours, right, I think. Right. And yeah, we, we hung out. I, I filmed her on my iPhone, so I would, <laughs> I'd be able to look back at it. And Deborah right. told me stories about her childhood and her parents and, and about the trial. And yeah, it was just being able to be near her and soak up her spirit and her attitude as. <laughs> Dershowitz says and yeah and find the places where we intersect as people mm-hmm. um, which there are some you know and it's just <laughs> when you when you find that you go oh I could I could be this person mm-hmm. if my life had gone differently and I would have been just born in Queens but <laughs> you know that's just a detail yeah. ended up teaching it you know I, I mean it was it I couldn't becomes, have been this I could <laughs> not have been this this is calls for a very special talent yeah but it, it was very it became imaginable to me that right. I could be Deborah. that my life had gone that way um, I can't remember the second part of it. Well, and the responsibility that you play, because it's not a documentary. There, there must be dramatic license taken at some point here. Very not, little. Very not. little. Yeah. I very mean, little. I mean, very little. Um, I mean, obviously, I felt responsible to Deborah mm-hmm. that she would feel that this, this event that she'd lived through, this defining event, was that I captured her yeah. and the spirit and the, the, yeah, it was, yeah, I felt responsibility to Deborah. Yeah. It's funny, I, I just interviewed uh, Captain Sully Sullenberger, who landed oh, yeah, right, a plane right, on the yeah. Hudson. And apparently, for landing. Yeah, and, and apparently he said to Tom Hanks, 
you have to get this right because I'll have to live with your performance for the rest of my life. <laughs> You'll go on and make another film, but yeah. this is going to be the record. This is going to be the That's way right. people That's think right. of me. Mm -hmm. And with that, I think, comes a burden. You know, it must for an actor. Yeah, I mean, it, it burden and an I wouldn't, I wouldn't use that word. Yeah. I, it was a, a, a beautiful, delicious challenge, right. which I wanted to um, try and meet. And, and she met above and beyond my expectations, and I can tell you my expectations were very high. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a proper challenge, you know. Yeah. It was, it was, but, 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 yeah, lovely one, mm -hmm. lovely one. It's fun being you. Yes, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it's fun. You get to, you get to say what you think, mm, you know. Whereas British people tend to, Canadian yeah, we, yeah, we're yeah. polite and we sort of. I'm willing Speaking to help you to continue in this. Right? I like it. I like it. It's very healthy. It's there healthy. you go. Get it out. Get, get it, it out. out. Get Maybe it out. this yeah. could just be the beginning of a series of films you know, I, of your yeah, life adventures. I don't want adventures. to do anything more. <laughs> what Deborah did next. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel, I feel tremendous gratitude. I really feel tremendous gratitude. It's very strange. I, I end my book, on, on which the film is based, talking about being gra having gratitude mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people hate the likes of a David Irving or a David Duke, a racist, anti-Semites, whatever. Yeah. See, I'm already saying Semites, that's like British way, yeah. anti-Semites. Right, yeah. um, uh, they hate these people, they hate the racists, but, but they don't have any way of fighting back at right. And I was given an opportunity to stand up for people who don't have the opportunity to stand up for themselves. And when I came back, I, I my students asked me, you know, what do we learn from this? And um, I told them one of the things is you can't fight every battle, but some battles you can't turn away from. And um, I was able to do this and have a very good team as depicted in the film behind me, which also made it. And now, you know, to have had a good team in the, uh, representing me during the case and then to have an equally talented and good team depicting the movie is, you know. And may I say, so, uh, in, slightly in the spirit of what, mm -hmm. you know, you, 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 you have was said at the UN mm -hmm. um, that if this film inspires people, especially you know, young people, um, that not to turn away from casual racism, casual bigotry, mm -hmm. right? That not to turn, when you see a battle, not not to turn away. Right. And this is on a very big scale, but even on tiny little scales, like little drops in the ocean, I think that would be a wonderful That's thing. Right. Right. I, absolutely. You know that De if Deborah's story can inspire people to say, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that on. I'm gonna mm -hmm. take, even if it's something very, very small." A Facebook post, mm -hmm. uh, a, a, a remark in a, a hallway. Remark, yeah. Yeah. A yeah. remark where you, you know, one kid calls another kid a fag in the yeah. in the hallway at school and yeah. doesn't even know what a fag means. Yeah. But, um, I have a little four-year-old friend, and she has. Um, and Is she, she has, the one you read? Yes, to? I read to, and she has. Yeah. She made a little video for you to ask you a question. Um, so Aww. I have to play it for Aww. you. Her parents are coming today. Um, but they, she and her brother, three of them, their, their sister is, um, has a very severe developmental disease. Right. And a kid across the street, who's a friend of the family, called someone a retard. And her right. brother, who's nine, said, you can't use that word. Yeah. You can't use that. Yeah. If kids learn, grow yeah. up doing yeah. that. Yeah. And let's, let's just face it, the big elephant in the room with the bad hairdo is mm. Trump. Yes. Who's licensing children in That's schools right, to, to say to other children, go back to Mexico, or we're going to put you behind a wall, right. and bullying is becoming rampant. That's so it, it, you know, this is this is the anti-Trump film. That was Deborah Lipstadt, the subject of the movie Denial, and Rachel Weiss, who plays her in the film.
Now I want to introduce you to Tom Wilkinson. Well, there's no need to introduce you to Tom Wilkinson. Uh, he is an English actor. He's been nominated for Academy Awards for movies like In the Bedroom and Michael Clayton. Uh, you've seen him in literally 1,000 movies. As it turns out, he doesn't like to talk very much about acting. So we started off talking about his role as a lawyer who defends Deborah Lipstadt in the movie Denial. And then we talked about other things, including his lack of interest in doing interviews like the one that we are about to do. Here's a listen to Tom Wilkinson. I was wondering, as I was watching uh, your performance in the film, particularly in the courtroom scenes, yes. if there are any relationships that you could draw, any straight lines you could draw between how lawyers behave in the courtroom and your training as an actor. Interesting line when you say, I'm not going to look him in the eye because if I look him in the eye, it gives him, it yeah, means yeah. I respect him or I give him power or something yeah. like that. And that seemed to me like sort of an actorly yeah, yeah. bit of advice. Do you see that? I think there is a certain very big element of, of that. I mean, what you have to understand which you do, and I'm sure you do, but I mean, it's something once you know when you when you're in a courtroom and you have to sort of, you realise that it's a game. It's like you put on, you know, it's like putting on the uniform. You like putting on shorts and you know a, a thing with your number or name on the back, which is, it's a game. Truth is not the the point of 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 a, of a law. It's winning that's important. It's to do with winning and there are rules and you have to abide by the rules and you have to play by the rules and you and the, the aim of the game is to win. And that's that's what I sort of understood about thank you. That's, that's how I understand thanks. That's what I understood about um, and also there there is that, you know, because they say at one point don't give him a jury because he can act That's right. in front of a jury and and and, and sort of um, you know do stuff. Try to sway them that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting you refer to it as a game and the uniform uh, in Canada. Our lawyers, barristers, wear the, the robes and the ways they yeah. don't in the U.S. You just dress uh, yeah, yeah. in street clothes, and I do think it makes a difference. I do think that it it, it sets a, a formal tone in it does, the room yeah, yeah. that that. Uh, imbues a sense of import yeah, yeah. that that you know should be there. I suppose I've only been in court once, and it was on uh, a jury duty thing. And the courts here, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same in England. I know it's the same in England. Uh, are massive, and they're big, and they're built to give you a sense of oh god, if yeah. I'm here on the wrong end of this, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm in I'm in for trouble. Um, have you, uh, uh, what sort of research did you do, or was it just all on the page for It you? was all on the page. I don't, I don't, if I can avoid doing research, I absolutely <laughs> do. And, uh, but like you, I'd, I'd done a jury duty. Right. And at one point, uh, very odd, uh, one of the lawyers, in, and they were barristers and yeah. stuff, and they, well, they obviously were barristers and they were dressed up. And one of them, didn't look at anybody that he was talking to. Uh, and I thought, if ever I get to play a lawyer, <laughs> I'm going to do that. I think it's fascinating. He would look anywhere and, you know, concentrating and stuff like that. And one of the things also which I didn't get to do, but which I wanted to do, was that they had 
piles of notes in front of them, and they referred to the notes. So the questions weren't sort of like, tell me, Mr. Yeah. Oh, oh. It was sort of, they would go through the notes, and then they'd say, so where were you? So how many people were in this room? Right. Six. <laughs> really? You know, it was, you know, it was an extraordinary sort of experience. But nevertheless, there was that. Yeah. Not looking at people. Are, are you um, someone, I, I've interviewed a lot of actors who don't really talk or aren't so comfortable talking about the craft of acting yeah. because it is something that is, for a lot of us, kind of this mystical sort of process that happens. Yeah. But it seems like you are someone who observes. It seems like that you watched the lawyer, you saw what he did, didn't look at people in the eye. Is observation a good chunk of, of how you store information? I guess it is. I do it. You know, I mean, that sitting in a cafe, yeah. you know, at the side of a street and watching people go by is something that you know I've always, I've always done, and I guess it sort of filters through. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a, I, you know, I, I have no real, you know, I, I can't talk about the art of acting yeah. or you know how somehow it makes me superior to everybody else. It is just something I've always naturally done and never given much thought. To. Yeah. I've never given it much thought because I, you know, it's, it's sort of, I guess, a kind of an instinct. Innate something. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. I, and, and maybe the idea of overthinking it might stilt it for you, might make it It stilt could it. do. I mean, I know actors who, who um, good actors who, who will say, you know, well, I'm doing this scene and they'll say, what do you think I'm doing? How do you think it is? And I'd say, I think it's absolutely perfect. And it is. Right. And 10 minutes later, they'll say, you know, I don't think, I think I should be. And they'll slightly, t you know, and you think, no, 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 you got it right first time. Yeah. Don't, you don't need to fiddle with it. You know, so there are some actors who do fiddle stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, they have to have a sense of what they're doing, I guess. I don't really understand it. Are you uh, someone, uh, I, I don't, I've been on film sets and I've seen people do take after take after take. It doesn't sound like you're one of those people that thinks that the ninth take or the 50th take is going to be better than the first one. No, yeah. I, I, I often think, you know, you should put the camera on the first time I ever do it. Right. You know, when you're sort of making it up as you go along, because I, I, no, three, three, uh, three takes, and that's, that's, that's just, I think, I don't, I don't really want to fiddle with it anymore. Yeah. This film, I think, is uh, not only an interesting record of true life events, but I think a really timely film for right now, because uh, it is about standing up for something in the face of adversity, you American coming to Britain, different legal system, the whole thing. Uh, but she stood her ground because she was right. Yeah. And I think it's about speaking up, and I think it's about making yourself heard. And I think that in the times that we live in, not only in Britain, but in the United States as well right now, it's time. It's time for people to speak up. Yes. Is that a, a message that you saw in this? Uh, well, it wasn't. I'm not interested in messages. Um, yeah. I think I associate messages with sort of propaganda. So right. I, right. if it, if if this film has that effect, it is, as far as I can tell, tangential. I mean, I, I think basically, what we set out to do. You'd have to talk to the director. You probably will be talking yeah, to the yeah. director and David and and people like that. And what we set out to do is make a story that that grips people. Yeah. That is what 
people in the arts want to do. I guess painters want to make a painting that people want to look at rather than walk by and go, oh, yeah, yeah. And similarly, that's what we, you know, we want to make films or write plays or be in plays that, that people sit down and go, good, oh, what? And that, you know, I, oh, it's, you know it's, I thought I've only been in here 10 minutes and it's an hour and a half gone by. And it's, that's how that, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. If, so the message aspect of it, I am not best placed right. to want to, 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 to comment about. Yeah, well, it, it, it it's interesting. Yesterday, I spoke with Oliver Stone for the movie Snowden, and it's yeah. about Edward Snowden, the, the the whistleblower. And I asked him a question sort of similar to to that. It was more about uh, after making this film, does he view technology differently? Things that maybe his cell phone is spying on him while he was here. Yeah, yeah. And he said, you know what? I'm a dramatist. He goes, I didn't think about that. What I thought about was, how do I make a story about uh, a, a computer hack, a dramatic. How do I create the relationship between the audience and this character? Sure. And that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, because both of these, Snowden and Denial, are very entertaining films. That's right. But yeah. once you start making moral choices, you know, saying, well, we've got to show him as a good guy. That's right. Because he's doing something that I approve of. You're buggered. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have to look at the, you, you know, you have to really stand away from it. Oliver's right. You have to stand away from, from you know, what you think about what Snowden did. Because right. it's, it's complicated what it, he did. I it, mean, I don't think there's any easy, you know, part of you thinks, well done, good for you. And the other part thinks, well, if I was a security person, I would think, Fuck, fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. You know. So you can't judge the character ever. You can't go in, because in, in life, we don't judge ourselves. Uh, by and large, we don't judge ourselves. Yeah, you know? yeah. in, 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 so if you're playing a villain, you're not necessarily thinking about that. No, no, you simply man. adopt the point of view of the character you're right. playing. Right. That's, that's the only advice I would give to yeah. actors. Don't, the moral doesn't matter. Yeah. You're playing Hitler. Hitler thought he was right. right. So you have to, you know, don't play a bad guy. Yeah. Play a guy who thinks he's doing the best thing he possibly can. Right. Uh, coming to festivals like this, uh, there's a lot of hoopla, there's a lot of goings on. I'm getting the sense that you prefer to be on a film set, prefer to be home, having a cup of tea. Well, I'm, the, I, I, I don't I'm do this, this as a... I'm enjoying this very much, <laughs> I have to tell you. But, but I get the sense that this isn't, that this part of the business maybe No, you're isn't quite right. I mean, if I can possibly kind of weasel my way out of going <laughs> to these things, I do. But I mean, when, you, when you've made a film that you really like, and I, I saw it a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago in London, or not quite finished, but... Uh, and I was really taken by it, and they said, would you come out? Of course you've got to do that. You, it's really churlish for you to say, oh, I'd rather stay home. But, I mean, I would rather stay home. <laughs> but it's fun. It's not, yeah. it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I, but I don't do it very often. So. Yeah. That was Tom Wilkinson talking about denial and other things, too. I like talking to that guy, despite... Him not really being all that interested in doing interviews, I found him warm and funny, and I wish that interview had gone on a little bit longer. I'm not sure if he feels the same way, but I certainly felt that way. Now we're going to talk about Two Lovers and a Bear. This is the new film from Warwitch director Kim Nguyen. 
He's a Montreal filmmaker who's had worldwide success. This is his first English language film, and it stars Dane DeHaan, an actor that you've seen in a hundred movies, and Tatiana Maslany, or should I say, recent Emmy winner Tatiana Maslany, from the the work that she does on Orphan Black, playing I don't know what is it, 450 characters by now. She plays clones. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. She won an Emmy for that, much deserved. We'll see her soon, opposite. Jake Gyllenhaal in a movie called Stronger, but right now we're talking about a film that is part magic realism, part thriller, it's part romance, and it's about Roman and Lucy, two people who are navigating their way through treacherous pasts, their own personal demons, and trying to find a way that points to the future. It's an interesting movie, and uh, I thought they were really engaging as well. Here's Dane DeHaan and Tatiana Maslan. I uh, love the opening scene of the film where you are ice fishing because I love moments in movies that tell me everything that I need to know about the characters with very little dialogue or dialogue that has nothing to do with the character building of the of the characters hmm. and so what I liked about it was seeing you guys ice fishing uh, told me that you were from there it felt like you were from there because you knew what you were doing you knew exactly kind of how you're doing you're having a little more trouble with it than she was but you're you know you're, it's happening but it seemed natural and, and like it should be happening and the relationship between you was built just in the way that you're you're joking and joshing back and forth with one another and I, I thought that it set up what came later really beautifully hmm. and so tell me a little bit about that because apparently it was shot later that scene was shot later in the shoot yeah it was shot later in the shoot it was pretty much improv yeah. it was supposed to be later in the movie yeah like wait like when we're on the journey already oh wow, wow. It was supposed and to be like it. yeah at one point kim said he wasn't going to put it in the movie Right. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. He's like, I think the one scene that might not make it is that ice fishing scene. <laughs> and then it And now it's the up. first scene in the movie, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised when I saw that, actually. Yeah. Because I, I hadn't seen the film until we saw it. Oh, no, before can. But to see that scene first, and it's kind of, like, funny and yeah. um, light and sort of feels like... It's playful. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. It does sort of allow for us to go to those darker places. Well, it does. And I think that, you know, for me, as I said, you're not saying, you know, hey, boyfriend, why don't we, like, you're not, mm. but, but we get the sense of exactly what the relationship is between you and, the, and we can imagine, mm. you know, what's come before. Mm. And uh, I thought it was a really lovely way to, to start us off on this journey, which does, you know, go places that I didn't expect it to because, as I told Kim, uh, the name Two Lovers and a Bear suggested something a bit more whimsical to me, you know, mm -hmm. and there are definitely moments of that in the film, but um, I, I, I was unprepared for exactly what happened in the film and uh, and was quite struck by it, so. Yeah, I think that's how I felt when I read it too, that I wasn't, ex I didn't know what to expect yeah. at any moment. Um, and it would kind of flip from this very heavy romance to like comedy, yeah. you know, to this sort of, it sort of feels a bit sci-fi at the end or a little thrillery and there's yeah. just all this kind of play there's a playfulness to the filmmaking style which mm -hmm. is really exciting to 
to read and to see them. And there's a talking polar bear. Yeah. And I saw Gordon Pinson, who does the voice of the polar bear downstairs, and I congratulated him. Uh, I said, the costume looks amazing. You can't tell. <laughs> right. um, was there a polar bear there? No. How did, how yeah. did they do that? Was there? Yeah, yeah. There was a polar bear. Her name is Aggie. Um, <laughs> she's a trained polar bear. And um, she's been in the business for 20 years. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, she's from Vancouver. Um, she's really nice. And her trainer isn't. <laughs> <laughs> and was she as big as she looks in the film, or was her perspective no, huge? No, she's, she's, she's enormous. Huge, like, huge enormous. creature, yeah. It was such a gift to have a real bear there. Yeah. You know, I don't think... I wouldn't know what it was like to be that close to that big of a creature unless I actually was. Yeah, mm -mm, because you freak out when you see the polar bear. Mm -hmm. I'm and scared. Were you scared? Yeah, I was scared. scared. Yeah, he was pretty confident around the bear. Maybe. Were there things that you had well, to learn? Did she? Were you taught like don't make any sudden movements or don't wear yeah. red or whatever? You know, don't yeah. Don't be a woman was one of them. Don't be a woman. Yeah, remember? yeah pretty much. Really? She yeah. can like smell like women and doesn't like them. Really? I think cuz she's trainer's a, woman. a woman. No. No. The trainer's a man. The trainer's a man. Oh, okay. So I think I think so oh, Aggie's the bear right. Aggie's and the whatever's in the guy. Trainer. Um but she gets uh, she doesn't like women. She gets agitated. So I she gets agitated. <laughs> I'm so sorry that's so bad. <laughs> Anyways, um, there yeah. were a bunch of rules. Yeah, I mean, you you know, there should be when you're working with an animal like yeah. that. But um, yeah, we were like we weren't allowed to get closer than two meters from it. It was behind a fence that if it got too close to the fence, they would like put electricity through the fence. Oh but, wow! Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, but like it it it's pretty well trained. You know, it can hit a mark and it can, it can do that mouth thing. Yeah. It can um, find its light. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Its light is everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And so shooting up there, it, it's it, it's it's different there. The, and people have different ideas about things. And I think because of uh, that, it's daylight for twenty four hours often, and then it gets dark, and then like, for days on it. So, what was it like being there to to shoot this film? And the and the weather is unforgiving, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it was. I mean, I think it's invaluable for our like for doing the film yeah. in terms of. Like the same thing as having a real polar bear there, being in the actual environment is right. so much easier and so much more telling and informing in terms of character and how how you move through the world. You know, you understand more about why Roman and Lucy are the way they are by being there and living in that kind of environment and seeing how two people could need need each other so desperately and be the only thing that the other has and 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 all of that. Um, it was. I loved it up there. I really yeah. loved it. Yeah, I would go back in a heartbeat. I and, just think it was so. And, and what was it? Was it this sort of just the idea of the kind of slightly isolated, more on your own kind of thing, or the people, or, or yeah, it's the people. Like there's such a vibrant um, youth there um, that I got to meet and and be part of and and go out with and and um, you know see their artwork and stuff like that. And it was just really cool to be part of the community but at the same time there's a lot of issues up there you know in terms of um, just stuff like from years back and, yeah. and kind of systemic things so um, it has this bizarre duality to it um, yeah I mean I think it was pretty invaluable being up there it is such a 
the setting of the movie is a character in the movie, you know, and um, more than it's always helpful to make a movie where it takes place. But I can't imagine making this movie anywhere else, specifically this movie. You know, the cold and all that really just informs everything that's going on. And um, you know, I. I don't think I could understand what it was like to live there if I wasn't there talking to people, trying to understand it. Um, I mean, it's beautiful. It's like another planet. I, I'm not hankering to go back. <laughs> but I'm really glad I got the experience yeah. to be there, and I talk about it all the time. How long were you there? Six, six weeks. weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. So that's, do, were you going back and forth at all? Or no, we were there, there for six weeks. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot, right? That's yeah. Because I think probably what, you know, you, you, probably the first few days are kind of like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And then there's that thing where it's like, what? I can't get the deodorant I need to or whatever. Yeah. Like, the, you know, the, 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 were there moments that, that you realized, like, how isolated you were? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think you can escape how isolated you are. I think that's pretty in your face the whole time, yeah. you know. And, yeah, and, um, yeah, it, it's, you, I never forgot where I was. Yeah. That's for yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. There was never a time where I, like, forgot I was in the yeah. Arctic. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I, I felt that um, Lucy was probably a little bit more equipped in dealing with the sort of the demons that were, were, present for her than Roman was. Roman, I thought, uh, shut them out in a way, you know, when you guys break up briefly, you buy two bottles of booze and decide to get blotto and then just sort of close that door completely, which isn't dealing with it. It's just making it go away for a moment. And so tell me a, a little bit from your perspective, just a, a little bit, the things that, that my readers would need to know about Roman and Lucy and the sort of, without, I guess, without giving away things yeah. we don't need to give away. Yeah, I guess I don't want to say too, too much about Lucy. I sort of, the same way I discovered things when reading the script, it was always, it was really surprising to see where she, what was happening to her, yeah. what was happening uh, throughout the film. Um, but yeah, I guess there's um, a restlessness to her spirit and a need to find some stillness and peace um, that, and a desperate love of Roman where she can't, she she can't live without him, and yet she can't be with him. Yeah. So it's yeah. And uh, Roman. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't know what you need to know going into the movie. They're both really troubled souls, and they both really love each other and need each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's kind of all you really need to know, if anything, going yeah. into it. And then they go on a wild adventure. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it is a wild adventure. Yeah. 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 Um, Kim was saying that there were a number of things, uh, there's a big explosion at one point in the film, and he said, oh yeah, I know we were going to shoot that, I was told it would take uh, 40 minutes to do it, two hours later we're still waiting around, and it's because it's so cold that mm. that the, the, there were 70 wires or something they had to lead in, and the, the guy that was laying the wires down, his fingers kept freezing, so he would have to, you know, mm. stop Yeah, that was frequently. the coldest day. Oh, was that it? Yeah. Was yeah. That, that was, was the, up on the on hill, the right? Hill, yeah, that yeah. was the coldest day on set. Yeah. We were up on a hill. The wind was blowing. I don't know what the wind chill was, but it was well below negative 40. Mm -hmm. It must have been negative 50, negative 60 degree wind chill that, that day. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and to be up on a hill. 
yeah. is the worst place you could yeah. be. Yeah. 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 And yeah, you can't have your hands out of gloves for too long, yeah. for sure. No, like, or like... You legitimately can't. Our stills photographer lost chunks of his nose. Yeah, he kept putting his... Yeah, he would like... He, he kept... He wouldn't have his... <laughs> Uh, face mask on, because and he, he would put the camera. The camera right? He yeah. would put the camera here, and he would take it off, and there would be a piece of his nose oh that went off with the camera. And we kept being like, like "Will you please put your face mask on? Like, what are you doing?" Oh my god! Wow. Skin bits. Skin bits all over the camera. That's yeah. horrible. Yeah. It's horrible, but funny. Now I hope he's fine. I'm sure. I'm he's sure. Fine. He I hope so too. No I haven't heard from him. Really so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I collected all the pieces on his camera. Is there is there uh, something you hope people take away from this film, or is it simply uh, a, a story of star-crossed lovers that you hope people will sit back and enjoy? I I hope it. I, it, for me, reading the script, it really vibrated with me for a long time after. Um, so hopefully people, you know, feel something and are able to kind of discuss it and not necessarily agree on what it's about or what it means. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of issues in the movie that uh, are tackled in a lot of messages. And um, I think, I don't... I don't think you'll watch the movie and think of it as just a movie about two lovers and a bear. You know, yeah. I think it'll it'll hopefully resonate with you and they'll go on the journey and they'll have a lot to talk about and think about. That was Tatiana Maslany and Dane DeHaan talking about two lovers and a bear. Before that, we talked about the movie Denial. Both movies will be in theaters next week. Check your local listings for a theater near you. Uh, both are worth having a look at. Both are uh, interesting. Both will make you think in much different ways. Denial, I think, is probably a more straightforward pot boiler of a story, whereas Two Lovers and a Bear has magic realism, it has romance, it has a lot of different elements woven together to form one cohesive narrative. Both are equally worthy of your money, so run out to the theater and go see them. Uh, do something, because you can't hang around here. So maybe go buy your tickets in advance, because they don't open for a while. Anyway, you have to get out of here. The House of Krauss is closed for another week, but be sure to come back next Monday. We put a new episode up every single week. You never know who's going to stop by for a visit, and who knows, it might be one of your favorite people. So come back and see it. <laughs>